Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, Dwalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome to episode 34 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast, and Happy New Year to everybody. If I've got my timing right, I think this episode's gonna drop the first week of January. So this is going to be our outlook for 2022 and beyond. That's right, 2021 was a tumultuous, chaotic, and altogether pretty successful year, top to bottom, for us and for our clients, and for many of you in the audience. What does 2022 hold? What's the outlook? And potentially even beyond next year? Stay tuned, we're gonna rock and roll with all of that. Get your pad and pen ready, brew a cup of that wonderful Mila coffee, and the Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, hello to everyone. Happy 2022. I hope 2021 was a wonderful year for you, your families, your partners, your businesses, your staff, and and everybody involved with it. Um, it, like I said in the opening, it was... <laughs> It was it was quite a year for me and DeWalker, let's put it that way. Um, but top to bottom, really successful. And obviously, we're grateful for so many of you in the audience and the nice compliments and, and support you've shown to us and certainly our clients for supporting us through a transition and helping us um, you know, put a real bow on what was a tremendous year. We're truly excited about 2022 and beyond when we do our strategic planning sessions together and we meet once a quarter to to update our plan, um, it really, we have a tremendous amount of opportunities and that's very exciting. And those opportunities are a direct result of, of everything that you all do in the audience and your, um, your support of us. So we're looking forward to good things to come. That being said, <laughs> what does 22 look like from an outlook standpoint? And this could be 2022 or the years beyond. And you know, as we sit here, probably the first week of January, depending on when this episode drops and when you're listening to it, um, I've got a lot of thoughts on, you know, the industry, the dynamics around our core clients, the pressures that y'all face, the opportunities you have, and, and really kind of what some of the coming years in terms of crystal ball look like. And you know, this is going to be an episode that's somewhat prognostication and somewhat reflection. Uh, so maybe take some of that with a grain of salt. And I was, as I was thinking about um, the overall economy, um, the healthcare profession, the healthcare sector in and of itself, and certainly dentistry as a profession, you know, we get asked um, frequently, what do, what do we see coming in, in the next, you know, five years, 10 years? And you know, one of the questions we typically ask our clients um, to ask for themselves is, you know, hey, if we're having this conversation three to five years down the road, 
how do you define success for yourself, both personally and professionally? Um, and, and the outcome of that question, um, when we discuss it with people, really gives us a lot of insight into to how they're thinking about things, how they prioritize things, and really how dialed in they are to it. Um, and the answers can can be all over the board, and, and frequently they are. But I think you know you you probably if you haven't ever asked yourself that question, or if you don't recall it from a prior episode in the podcast, I would say to spend a little bit of time wrestling with how you define success for your, yourself, both personally and professionally, over the next three to five years. Really give that some thought. It, it'll give you a lot of clarity around what you're doing, and maybe more importantly, why you're doing it. As we think about the coming three to five years, maybe even as much as 10 years, and, and you know, basing this around some reflection on 2021, 2021 was um, an unbelievable year in the M&A markets. Um, the deal volume uh, that we saw, you know, not just at Polaris, our company was relatively new in 21, but across the board and not just in dentistry, but in terms of um, the macro economy, all sectors, M&A was on a tear um, and private equity groups and venture capital firms and and all of that. Um, it was a, a record year in terms of total deal volume. And I'm sure all of you experienced that with colleagues. Some of you experienced it firsthand. Um, and and the some of the sentiment was, well, now that we've gotten through 2021, things will calm down a bit. And and while I think 2021 was probably a unique year based on a confluence of factors that we've discussed before from an M&A context, I don't think that means that 2022 is just going to you know stand pat. I do think there will be a a bit of a period of digesting uh, acquisitions for a lot of the enterprise level groups. But suffice to say, um, even with the forecasted rate increases in debt funding and things like that, I still think M&A activity is, is going to continue. And the, you know, the long, longer term aspect of, of the industry is, is one that is uh, still ripe for consolidation and ripe for growth. So as I think about 2022 and a little bit beyond that, I really think you got to be honest with yourself and, and be attuned to a handful of factors. You know, it's hard to be average in life at, at anything. Um, and I don't mean that disparagingly in any way. But if we talk about like the ADA average practice, and, and, and you know, that's just a broad brush term, but in the ADA numbers, the average practice general dentistry I'm talking about, it's about $750,000 in revenue. And the the it's usually a single location, single doctor type of a, a practice um, where the the dentist is the primary economic engine, and he or she is taking home somewhere a, a little bit over two hundred thousand dollars. And if I if memory serves me correct, these were twenty nineteen numbers um, because twenty twenty was a little bit skewed, and and I'll be interesting interested to see what twenty twenty one comes out to be when the uh, HPI releases some of their data there. But if we can just use that $750,000 in revenue and $200,000 in income as big bucket numbers being the average, you know, you look at that type of a, a practice and there may be some of you in the audience that just kind of fit those numbers from a, a, a number standpoint only. 
you know, it's it's hard to to be average and remain average. And it's not a case of dentistry or even healthcare. That's a broad brush statement that's probably applicable to to just about anything in terms of the business world. So you gotta you gotta think about the the pressures and the influences around um, a typical uh, solo practice or even to a degree a smaller group. And and what are the some of those pressures involved and 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 what are some of the things confronting those businesses well again the ada has done a a, a really great job in, in terms of studying um an insurance payer or insurance reimbursement index that they built a, a number of years ago and that they they study insurance reimbursement rates and in every state of the united states and over a longer continuum like a, a decade long period and I can't remember the exact dates of their last study. I want to say it was like 2007 to 2017 or something like that. It was pre-pandemic for sure. But insurance reimbursement rates declined um, in the aggregate uh, about 17% over that period of time, if memory serves me correct. It, it declined double digits for sure, uh, You know, probably around 16 to 17% over that period of time. And if memory serves me correct, once again, only about three states saw any positive gains and they were barely incremental. So you've got the vast majority of solo dentists and certainly groups um, accepting insurance payments. And, and those are, are, are certainly not keeping pace with inflation. They're going the opposite direction. And that creates a lot of pressure on the top end when a business sees you know struggles to grow revenue when their when their uh, unit reimbursement or dollar sale amounts are in decline you have to you have to make it up on volume as as the saying goes and that's a that's a a problematic strategy in a lot of ways if you're not built for it so making it up on volume is not a strategy I would like to um, rely upon in my business because, and certainly in the case of dentistry, that typically means working more days, more hours, and and you know working harder for longer. Um, and you may be required to do that at different stages of the game, but is that sustainable? You know, is the real thing that that you gotta you gotta ask yourself. So if you're a, a business that's built around in, accepting insurance you know in a declining type of a, a environment that's a challenge and I, I say it puts a lot of pressure on the top end of the business you've also got the fact that we're seeing rising costs we have seen rising costs across the board for quite a while and now the inflationary pressure that we're seeing in wages and certainly cost of goods and, and even in our personal lives, you know, the cost of milk and bread and everything. So, you know, when you have inflationary pressures on a cost basis and you have declining insurance uh, or, or declining revenue proclivity at the top end of the business, you're getting something called, you know, margin compression. And when we start talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, just again, using the ADA average as a, as a number here or an illustrative example, if the average income for that business owner is about $200,000, that's a pretty decent amount of income. Um, 
but what's the probability of, of maintaining that level of income or even with that income maintaining purchasing power from an inflationary context? So if you're operating a small business and you've got pressure on the top end from a revenue generation standpoint, and you're getting cost escalation from a cost of goods, from a wage scale standpoint, that's going to have a pretty significant impact around the margins of that business. And then if the owner of that business is taking home all the money as income and their inflationary pressures on the home front, your buying power is eroding on a relatively uh, fast basis because your, your take home is probably reducing a bit and you're, you're experiencing an increase in costs uh, in your buying power. So this is a challenging equation to, to confront, right? And, and I think as I look at 2022 and I look beyond that, I don't know what inflation is going to look like in the coming years. I'm, I'm not that bright, but I do understand the industry dynamics. And when we look at the more, uh, the larger scale transitions and, and seismic shifts in the industry, the um, declining insurance uh, reimbursement rates is, is here to stay. It's been here for a while, and I don't see that trend pivoting in any way. Um, I also think that our world, uh, in terms of uh, physician practice model type of a healthcare environment, is immensely attractive to private equity groups and investors of the world. So you talk about you know, industry consolidation, uh, you know, at an enterprise level or even at a local level. And I think those trends are, are going to, frankly, I think those trends are going to accelerate, maybe not beyond what they were in 2021, but they would excel, in my opinion, they're going to accelerate from a comparison to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and I think that as we start talking about you know, growth strategy and and depending on sort of where you are in your career and the this has something to do with age, but it's not dependent upon age. I think about it from like a um a, a, a how much longer are you going to work? You know, if you're if you're within five years of retirement um, and you run a a solo practice that's successful or even a really small group, you know, you're probably close enough to to retirement. Um, and exiting the business to to sort of weather the storm, I would say. But if you've got, you know, five to ten years or more ahead of you in terms of, um, you know, a, a work life ahead of you, you've got to really commit to some type of a, a you've got to commit to some type of a strategy. And the strategy comes down to choosing one of two alternatives: it's either big or it's unique. And there are very few businesses that are are both big and unique. And when I say unique, I'm talking about from a customer experience standpoint. And you know, we took uh, our eight-year-old daughter um, and with another family and their daughter uh, down to Disney um, the weekend before Christmas, uh, which was an unbelievable experience. It's our second time going to Disney, uh, Disney World in Florida. Um, and you know, when you think about uh, a, a customer experience at a at an enterprise level. Disney is great at it. The Ritz Carlton is great at it, or the Four Seasons are great at it. You know, those types of businesses have successfully scaled 
an experience, but they are the gross exception to the rule. That is an unbelievably challenging type of a business to build. Most of your bigger businesses are based on size and volume and low price. Think Walmart, think Lowe's and Home Depot in the hardware world. Think, you know, Fairfield Inn and Marriott Courtyard and some of the other hotel chains. Um, you know, that that type of a, a, an experience, I mean, uh, that type of a, a price point and a volume, right? So, you know, it, it, your, your boutique hotels and your um, bed and breakfasts and stuff are high on experience, um, you know, and, and customer service and everything like that, but they're also high on price. So if you're going to build a business and remain a solo dentist in a solo location, you really have to build in uh, a, a high-touch customer experience, and you probably need to have a, a growing amount be from a fee-for-service type of a context that's not dependent upon insurance reimbursement. Uh, and that's, in this environment, just really challenging to do. On the other hand, if you're not committed to, or you don't want, to build that type of an experience, you've got to build some size and defensible strategy. And I think that's where we get into, you know, getting bigger and growing the business. And there's that old adage of, you know, quality service and price choose two, right? If you've ever seen the quality service price uh, triangle, um, you know, then you, you, you choose two of those and focus on them. And that's part of your, your strategy around some level of differentiation. But I think, you know, being an average one to two location type of a uh, dental practice or a small group is going to be really, really challenging unless you're looking to exit it within the next five years. So for those who are in our audience that are, I call it mid-career, again, I'm, I'm hesitant to use age anymore um, as a barometer for this, but if, if you're going to be um, in dentistry, and if your desire is to be a a business owner beyond about five years, I, I think you've got to commit to a strategy of growth. And, and I think that outlook then, um, based on your time frame at least, starts to dictate a little bit about um, you know how you build a business, how you grow, grow methodically, um, grow your associates so that your personal income is no longer 100% dependent upon your clinical skills and, and your clinical time. I mean, you've heard us talk about the changing consumer attitudes being a, a, a seismic shift that's going to impact the industry. And, and that's, that's, that's happening now. It's, depending on how you look at this, it's only going to get either worse or, or more advantageous if you can cater to it. But the people that want to make healthcare purchasing decisions beyond the 8 to 5, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Thursday type of a set is going to require businesses to be open longer, more days, more hours. And if you're a, you know, a one to two location type of a group, that's, um, that's just a really big challenge to, to overcome. You'd hate to think that if you can't open those hours that, you know, your, your fate would be out of your hands, but you, you got to be realistic about that. So, you know, I think if you're going to remain independent and, and uh, a smaller size, you've got to commit to a really um, uh, 
differentiated type of a unique strategy of high touch concierge medicine almost um, and look at your payer mix beyond insurance reimbursement um, and and really double down on that strategy to to be unique and and be different. Um, on the other hand, if you if you feel like that's not in your wheelhouse, then you need to to think long and hard about are you going to build a group um, to to kind of hedge your bets, if you will. And if you are going to build a group, how quickly do you want to build it? How you know all the other risk factors we talked on. How how much debt do you want to take on and what are your skill sets and where, where, what are your strengths and weaknesses in terms of skill set from an operator standpoint and everything like that? I think 2022 is going to be a, a harbinger of a year that it kind of accelerates some of these things. And if you're, if you're not out ahead of it and if you're not intentional about it, um, you might get swept up in the, in the tide behind it. You know, another piece of advice or another thought that I would give you going back to the Disney and Ritz Carlton experience um, aspect is that uh, the Ritz Carlton, I'm sure many of you have stayed in a Ritz Carlton hotel and you know that they're fanatical about details and, you know, they, they address you by your name and, and they're really, there's no detail that's left undone or untouched. And they're very proactive about a lot of that. And it's a great customer experience. And that's, that's part of their systems. The Ritz Carlton, some of you may not know, um, has uh, a component of their their business that's called the Ritz Carlton Leadership Center, RCLC, Ritz Carlton Leadership Center, and they do, or they used to do pre-pandemic. I guess they're still doing this. Um, a number of classes about uh, customer experience, and one of them is called um, uh, something to the effect of the Ritz Carlton healthcare experience or something like that. But it, it's, it's about applying the Ritz Carlton principles to a healthcare environment. We hosted a, one of these sessions when I was back in the Patterson days. So this is probably five or six years ago now, probably more than that actually. Um, but it was a phenomenal, um, customer event, uh, very well attended. They do, they used to do these, um, seminars, in a lot of their flagship um, locations. So they would rotate them around. If memory serves me correct, I think it's a one-day session. I can't remember the price points on it or the frequency at which they teach it. They rotate them all around. But if you ever go to Ritz-Carlton Leadership Center uh, and look for healthcare experience or something like that, I'm sure you can find it. So if you're if you're looking to, to you know, up the ante, so to speak, on the cuts, customer touch piece, even if you don't want to build a concierge medicine type of a model, you just want to increase, you know, customer focus. Um, the Ritz Carlton Leadership Center has a, a has a great one day course on that, and I, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, having been through it once in my prior life. Um, that being said, you know, for the the rest of the people out there that look at their where they are currently and they think about not just the next year or two years, but years five, 10 to 20, and really what they're building and what they want to get out of it and everything. Um, I think you've got to, to commit to some level of growth and it could be organic growth within your business, adding associates, opening up days and hours. It could be expanding your footprint in terms of adding locations um, and, and specialty services. I'm not saying you've got to build a hundred location group practice in order to 
to maintain your standard of living far from it. But I don't think you can afford to say, Hey, I'm at two locations right now. And I'm going to stay at two locations for the next 10 to 15 years. I, I, I just think that's a really tall ask. Um, and I don't think that's going to work out too well. So I would encourage you all as we turn into 2022 here to, um, to think through how you define success for yourself personally and professionally over the next three to five years, um, what your strategy is going to be to maintain that level of success and ensure that you can continue that level of success for that foreseeable future. And, and what you think is the, the right course of action in the path for success, um, commit to it fully, double down on it, and whatever's uh, made that created that success up to today, probably need to double down on it and do it even more going forward. Because I just don't think being average is gonna um, is gonna create success and sustain success for very much longer. It's a it's a tough position to be in, and you got to be realistic about um, you know what your uh, what your outlook is. And in terms of how you're going to maintain what you built uh, for you and your family at this level, so I hope that um, I hope that gives you a couple of things to think about um, as it relates to you know the coming years and sort of our prognostication on uh, some of the the seismic shifts and changing attitudes within the industry because this is a really turbulent time in our world and and I think um, that can be uh, anxiety riddled to a lot of people. But at the same time, it creates a hell of a lot of opportunity. And I think where there's upheaval, you just got to figure out where you fit and how you can execute and build success within that. It's not what happens to the industry overall, but it's more about what you do to it individually that ensures your success. So I hope you found that a little bit uh, educational, philosophical even, or informative. If you do have questions about it, feel free to hit me back. You can always email me at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. So before we wrap things up on today's show, I want to hit a couple of more highlights real quick. Um, And I know that um, today's episode was... Um, maybe unsettling to some of you, but as I thought about prepping for this episode, I really felt like this was something that um, I needed to share with the audience um, because maybe some of you are attuned to all of it. Some of you knew about some of it. Some of you may not have been aware of, of much of any of it. And, and you know, kind of sharing our thoughts and insights on, on where we see the industry going um, you know, people, people count on that and they, they look to us for advice and, you know, it's no different when, when I talk about the challenges that confront each and every one of you, it's no different for me and DeWalker. Okay. I, we, um, meet on a, we, we meet frequently, but we dedicate a day once a quarter to, um, strategic planning and we dedicate two days on an annual basis to updating our long-term planning. And you should be doing the same thing. Um, and that kind of two-day strategic planning session for the, we call it five-year, three-year, one-year, um, to update that plan and, and really you know keep on the pulse of where we want our business to go. And then we evaluate and course correct 
um, one full day every quarter together. And, you know, our strategic plan does, uh, we adjust it, we change it, we alternate it a little bit, just every bit as much as you should be. And the business that we're building um, is not uh, simply the business we have today. It's not the business that we chose to, to replicate when we left the prior company. And a lot of people think that that's all we wanted to do was when we left the prior company, we wanted to, to you know, just replicate what we had. That I assure you that's not the case. So the, the aspects about creating a unique business that's highly differentiated um, is something that is truly near and dear to us and also creating some level of size and scale. So the guidance that I, I shared with y'all and some of the ways to think about where you find yourself today is, uh, is no different than the conversations to Walker and I have for all of the same reasons. Um, and, and I think um, what applies to, to you applies to us and vice versa. We run a consulting and transactional company that's different from a group dental practice, but the principles are the same. So hopefully, you know, some of what we're doing will will fall on open ears in the audience and y'all will be able to apply it um, in terms of, you know, what you're doing. If, if you do have challenges around how to go through a strategic planning session um, or, you know, uh, what strategic planning is and, and how to think through it and how to document things and uh, define deliverables and all of that sort of stuff. And we do offer a one-day strategic planning session. Um, Aiden and I teach most of those and be happy to tell you more about that. If you're interested in, in possibly booking a day with us, it's a it's a it's an exhaustive day. It's an intense day, uh, and we do it for all of our um, strategic uh, consulting clients. Um, but suffice to say, as we roll into January now uh, and in the coming couple of months. I think we've got four or five strategic planning sessions already booked and, and January's full of them. So I'd encourage you to give that some thought. If you want to work with us in a, a one-day capacity like that, we might be able to give you some insights on your business, help you get some things documented and give you a greater degree of certainty around your ability to execute on it. And then it's your responsibility to work the plan, wash, rinse, repeat, and course correct when and where necessary. So. I hope that uh, gives you a little bit of insight and the way to think about some things, not just again for the this year that we're entering into now, but the, the coming years, because I think that's critically important and to be intentional and proactive about it um, will help influence your overall level of success. I had a lot of fun on today's episode. Um, I know it's a heady topic and one that's a little bit of a departure from the norm for us, but I hope you got a lot out of it. If you are, I encourage you to please leave us um, a rating on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and even a comment. We treasure those and we appreciate the feedback we get uh, from the audience. If you do have questions, feel free to submit them to me directly at perrin at polarishealthcarepartners.com. You can, of course, find out a lot more about us on our website at polarishealthcarepartners.com. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.